morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the NK News Podcast. This is a quick, rough and ready roundtable podcast recorded here in Seoul on Monday, July 1st, 2019. That chair you heard scraping was by Collins Worker less than 24 hours after the extraordinary meeting that took place in the Joint Security Area near Panmunjom, hat tip to Steve Tharp there, in the demilitarized zone that separates the two Koreas. And I am joined this morning by an extraordinarily happy manal of Colin. Uh, Colin. Hello. Good morning. Oliver. Hello. And, of course, Chad, CEO of NK News, NK Pro and Career Risk Group. Good morning. I was glued to my TV set all Sunday afternoon. What about you, gentlemen? Yes, absolutely. Watching history unfold. It, of course, <laughs> mind you, everything live that we watch on TV technically is history unfolding, isn't it? But this, it did seem very historical. It seemed quite extraordinary. Uh, in brief, for our listeners, those who have been uh, in a coma, in brief, Kim Jong-un came to the JSA to have a short meeting with Donald Trump after the president tweeted something while he was in Osaka. Uh, president Moon was there as well. The three of them had their very first meeting between the three of them. Then Trump and Kim went into a room at Freedom House on the southern side of the military of the military demarcation line and had about 53 minutes of one-on-one talks. Then Kim went home and Trump and Moon flew back to Seoul. That's more or less it, but let's unpack it. That's the short version. How did this all begin? What did Trump tweet and when and why? It started uh, with a tweet on Saturday morning. We'd been hearing for a couple of weeks, I think, running up to this visit that Trump was going to visit the DMZ. And then the question was... What Longer, would... actually, since mid-May. There you go. And then the question there was, well, if Trump goes to the DMZ, it seems unlikely in the current diplomatic environment that he would do some kind of uh, defiant staring down the north. So then the question was, what would Trump do at the DMZ? And obviously, the DMZ would be a great place for him to have a little impromptu meeting with mm. Kim Jong-un. Um, so there was a lot of speculation about that happening. Especially in the wake of those wonderful letters uh, with interesting contents. Exactly. Uh, brave President um, Trump. We saw the North Koreans describe the letter from Donald Trump last weekend as excellent mm. and said that Kim Jong-un would um, strongly consider its contents. Mm. So after that, it seemed pretty likely there was going to be some kind of meeting. Um, but nothing was really confirmed until Saturday morning when uh, Trump tweeted um, as he was just beginning the I think the third day of meetings at the G20 in right. Osaka, said, well, you know, I'm going to go to Seoul uh, anyway. And if my friend Chairman Kim is there, I'd love to say hello. Um, so after that, there was obviously a scramble. Um, <laughs> everyone was trying to work out what was going on. Um, it actually didn't feel like it was confirmed until the very last minute. We only actually uh, really got it confirmed around 1 p.m. yesterday because they had a Moon and Kim had a Moon and Moon Trump had a joint presser at which Trump said, "Well, I'm going to go meet Kim Jong Un now," and that was actually the first proper confirmation that was going ahead. Right, um, and, and President Moon also said at that same joint press conference that uh, uh, North America, sorry, North Korea and America are going to meet at the demilitarized zone. So uh, that was a tip off to the world, I suppose, that something big was in the, on the cards. Although, Chad, didn't you say, I don't, is this, pub, this is publicly available information, at the um, uh, American Independence Day celebration last week, Monday, literally a week ago today, uh, didn't Ambassador Harry Harris say something in his speech that made you think there was something big afoot? Yeah, in his speech, he was apologizing for the fact that um, we were having this Independence Day party on a Monday night. Last year, the U.S. Embassy Mm. held it on a Friday night. Monday seemed a bit odd. And in his speech, he said, I can think of at least two reasons why uh, the Hyatt's going to be extra busy Mm. this week. And one was obviously going to be Trump uh, being there. But the second I started, my mind started racing in overdrive, thinking, is Kim Jong-un going to come? To, ah. to South Korea. Um, so after that, I mean, 
as Oliver said, we'd been hearing and speculating ourselves that this might happen. But it is interesting that um, when I spoke to diplomats, both here in Seoul and those in Washington, D.C. American or uh, various uh, nations? Won't mention what okay. countries, but they were all very um, sort of poo-pooing the idea that mm. there could be any summit this weekend. And all of them were, were saying, no, Chad, you're on you're onto the wrong hmm. thing here. Uh, and interestingly, it was actually fellow journalists here in Seoul who were very much more confident. Laura Bicker and I had a long chat about it and we were both thinking, yeah, it's going to happen. You can't. And I think a lot of maybe foreign policy community forgot that this is Donald Trump right. and this uh, maybe a bit too used to just thinking within their own uh, framework and that this leader would not want to allow such an opportunity to go amiss. He's and actually an unorthodox man. Go, please. No, go. And actually, part of me, um, at least on Saturday, thought that it might not even happen simply because of um, the nature of the invitation. You know, the North Koreans are sticklers for protocol and sticklers right, for, yeah. you know, if Kim Jong-un is going to visit the DMZ, it requires so much security and so many precautions mm. to be taken. And I think there's an element of kind of rudeness as well. Mm. Kim jo- uh, Trump saying, well, I'm in town. I might as well meet Kim Jong-un. It's like, <laughs> well... Uh, <laughs> meeting right. the leader is a great honor and you seem seemed like a big ask yeah, right it's, it's but, a big ask but at the same time then you had uh chase on coming out with a foreign uh ministry statement in the afternoon on saturday just a few hours after trump had made that invitation via tweet yes and uh she pointed she drew, drew attention to the fact that uh they didn't receive an official proposal yet uh but then there were reports that the u.s quickly worked on an official invitation. Kim Jong-un said he received an official invitation mm. later on Saturday. He said that on Sunday. And then uh, so, and then there's also the aspect, even though it seems like maybe it's putting him in an awkward position, maybe Kim Jong-un uh, wants to pull a power move and, you know, not go. But then you saw this morning in North Korean state media coverage that they play up the fact that it was at the request of right. Trump. And right. that gives Kim some... Uh, something to, to work with there, you know? Similarly, back in 2000, um, when uh, in the lead up to the, the famous historic meeting between President Kim Dae-jung and Kim Jong-il, uh, the North Koreans in their first statement said, at the invitation or at the request of, Kim, uh, of President uh, Kim Dae-jung, we agree or our chairman agrees to meet. That was that's mm. interesting that they're playing that same line again 19 years later, right? It's uh, right. we we're uh, acceding to your request. Exactly. You know, how gracious of us! Uh, now, a quick question: Who monitors Twitter in North Korea? <laughs> yeah. I, that's that's I assume, the unspoken. Yeah. I assume Kim Jong Un's got it on on notification, like like we all do. <laughs> do you think he has push? Yeah. 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 Okay. As far as I know, there's um, at least the Foreign Ministry's Institute for American Studies ah. very closely watches Trump's Twitter feed, so I can't imagine anything would go go missed. Trump took no. pleasure in claiming that. Uh, Kim Jong-un follows his Twitter and then the reporter was like, does he? And Trump just said, well, it must because they answered so quickly. Yeah, somebody is, clearly. Uh, now, what about the sort of mid- midnight, I say midnight, we don't know what time it was, the meeting between Che Son-hee of the North Korean Foreign Ministry and Steve Began of the State Department that happened at Panmunjom on Saturday evening. Was that to work out details? What do we know about that? Well, that that is something we learned about um, subsequently on Sunday. Very little detail was uh, published, but Began had arrived early in Seoul in order, we assume, to, mm. to go to, to Panmunjom to have a meeting that would be about logistics, either about just simply rekindling denuclearization talks at the working level 
or in this case, probably um, about uh, the summit that we saw on, on Sunday. But yeah, very little detail was published about that. So all we can do yeah, is speculate. Really. speculate. But also at the same time, they could, it could be logistics. And I also thought it could just be to make sure that both sides have something of substance yeah. that they're not just it's not just a photo op that that Trump really does come with a, a genuine attitude and then Beacon can confirm from Chase on <clears> that <throat> Kim Jong-un really also has the similar genuine attitude and, and in that regard I think Trump was smart to downplay from the get-go the the prospects for this meeting he said several times on Sunday mm. it's just going to be a five ten minute meet and greet yeah. started um, with two minutes <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 so uh you know, low expectations, and then it turned into like a 50-minute right. beefy meeting. Yeah. That is clever. Expectation management, you know, set the bar low and then exceed the expectations, and that way you come out win. You know, uh, that's uh, what President Trump does. Now, Presidents Trump and Moon went up by helicopter. Do we have any idea how President Kim, uh, Chairman Kim got down? Did he drive? Did he fly? Did he go down the night before like he did uh, before uh, the meeting with President Moon last year? I don't think we know yet, but if they come out with a documentary on North Korean television, then I guess we might find out. Mm. But yeah, I mean, what what happened with uh, the last time when he went to Panmunjom? For the for the uh, the snap summit that they had last year before the Singapore summit, I think he drove, didn't he? But you said like a night earlier, right? So ah, he no, that was before the April summit. He drove down a night earlier and stayed there in Kaesong. Right. For the snap summit, I don't know what he did. He might have done the same this time. We just don't know. He could have, yeah. But as we were saying, it's a very bumpy road. If I were Kim Jong Un, I wouldn't. You wouldn't want to speed along that. And no, die just take like a helicopter. Well, exactly. Well, but that's very pragmatic. But we know that uh, that both Kim Jong Un and his, his father don't like to fly if they don't have to. And and the a grand um, sort of procession of cars yep. looks quite good on state media as well. It does look good on state media. And North Korean choppers, probably quite old. Right, and there's also a fueling issue too. Sanctions. Exactly, Indeed. sanctions. Uh, so yesterday's meeting, the uh, when you know after after they went into the private room together um, at uh, the Freedom House on the southern side, President Moon kindly you know sort of stepped aside, receded into the night as it were, and gave uh, Trump and Kim the chance to talk for about fifty minutes together. Do we call that a summit? Does that go down as summit number three? What do we uh, what do we think of that? Well, there was a lot of semantics because. Both Trump and Moon didn't really want to call it a summit, but it is a summit. Yeah, 50-minute um, talks, I think. 50-minute talk between two leaders is a summit. Um, but no joint statement, no uh, press conference afterwards. There was a, you know, a brief moment of uh, taking so, press so, questions. So there's a summit in a dictionary, a meeting between heads of government. There you go. Yeah. That was a summit then. There you go. Can't deny that. I like that. Unless you um, claim that North Korea has a diffuse leadership structure in which Kim Jong-un is not technically the head of the government and the head of the state instead. Um, <laughs> yeah, good point. That's one for Fyodor Tititsky, I think. <laughs> that's right. Well, it, it <laughs> certainly was something. Mm. Ah, some. There you go. Exactly. Um, yeah. So now what were, both uh, the, well, not just the North Korean and South Korean, but also the American media uh, pointed out the unprecedented nature of of Donald Trump stepping over the line into North Korean territory. He is, of course, preceded by two ex-presidents. Uh, both Jimmy Carter and Bill Clinton have technically walked on North Korean soil after their terms as president, but he's the first incumbent to do it. Um, is it a big deal? Well, I have a question. Um, when Before that happened, Kim Jong-un was saying to Donald Trump, you'll be the first US president to set foot in our territory. Right. Surely the North sees ah. the entire peninsula as its territory. Is that an implicit recognition of there being two Koreas? That's interesting. Well, that's did he say our territory? Yeah, he said yeah, the he territory. Did. Well, he did, actually, yeah. I think, in Korean, right? Yeah. Um, 
was the North Korean constitution, like the South Korean constitution, yep. says the territory of the DPRK the covers whole the whole peninsula. Yeah. Um, that's just a side point, though. Um, <laughs> I think it is noteworthy. I think Trump was sort of expecting that he would do that uh, because obviously Moon did it at the first inter-Korean summit last yep. year. And then that um, preceded Moon going to Pyongyang. And I um, believe that you know, Trump said in his little mini presser minutes after mm-hmm. Kim Jong-un walked back across the border, he said uh, that he, what did he I, I don't remember the exact quote, but he said that uh, he suggested he would like to go to Pyongyang and, it, and that he would invite Kim Jong-un to Washington when the time is right. right. And that he would send an invitation, but there wasn't an official invitation. Um, but that he also suggested he wanted to go to Pyongyang. So uh, the, the other thing is he did this without wearing the bomber jacket, the steely eyes, all of that stuff that, yeah. was, that every U.S. president has done. And he also went with a South Korean president, which is also unprecedented to the... But not at first, though, right? That uh, He kind of left Moon, you know, hanging back there. Yeah, but he was there and they, they did have a trilateral discussion of sorts um, am- amongst the press melee. Yeah, right. And I think whatever happens, the... The good thing, well, it depends what side of the aisle you're on, but the good thing to me seems that even if this all sort of goes awry in the short to medium term, it opens a door for future U.S. presidents to to engage North Korea without there being this precedence broken. And I think that will create more latitude in future for future American leaders, which yeah. is a good thing. I think Kim Jong-un spoke to that explicitly yesterday on, on Sunday, right? He said... This shows that we can put this together without all of this pretense of the big uh, making a big deal of it, that we can just meet when we need to. Didn't he say that? Yeah, yeah. which is very similar language to um, what um, Moon and Kim talked right. about last year. Where after they the said, Snap Summit. After the Snap Summit, they mm. said this shows that we can just call each other up and meet. Yeah. Um, it doesn't bode necessarily well for working level talks exactly i I was going to ask if there's this idea that well the every time we want to make serious progress the two leaders have to meet because obviously trump can't just jolly down to the dmz every time working level talks are are going badly but i'm sure we'll get into that as it all boils down to it just boils down to them still not being able to blink either side in terms of a big concession and that's Mm. you know they can have friend they can be friendly all they want and you just don't know that's what we wonder about the details of the actual talks. Did right. one of them signal that they're willing to, to make the big move, one of them, which is either... Uh, or uh, both of them. Yeah, yeah, a big move on sanctions mm. relief or... I mean, really, it's... Yeah, Trump said it's not that complicated. <laughs> he did say that. It will, do you think we'll get some, de- some details of their talks will filter out in the next week or two? Presumably. I mean, the U.S. is pretty leaky. So I presume we'll hear something come out. But Pompeo was grilled about it yesterday, and he kept his um, cards pretty close to his chest. But um, I think we'll probably we'll find out when the working level negotiations start. Which is right? July, they said today, right? This month, yeah. yeah. Um, he said the middle of the month. So I'm sure we can get into that later as well. But whether that means Begin going to Pyongyang again, whether it means an American delegation going to the U.S., we'll have to see. Yeah, Pompeo did say, I think, at... Uh in Osan at his press conference afterwards that he he wasn't sure which of the individuals in the North Korean foreign ministry he would be dealing with. Yeah, and there were questions, there was Mm. a question raised about, um, I I think it was about Kim Hyok-chol, the uh, official who South Korean media said had been executed in the wake of the failed Hanoi summit. And um, Right, he was the former ambassador to Spain who had been exchanged with Che Sun-hee, is that right? 
Uh, As the point person for yes. talks with North with America, yeah, from the State Affairs Commission, right? And he basically did, you know, when when Trump was asked about that, Trump said, "Oh, read, please come throw it in, read, read that." Yeah, no. yeah. Trump, Trump said, <laughs> uh, "Well, I think they are. I can tell you the main person is. I know that because we know that, and I hope that the rest are too alive." Is what he's referring to. Um, I would really hope the rest are too, but I can tell you that they that they said that the person that we deal with wasn't uh, dead. And then I know for a fact that he is alive. But mm. I think he's referring to uh, Kim Jong-chol. Yeah. yeah. And right. Because, of course, he wasn't there uh, yesterday. You know, we didn't see him. No. Um, That's an awkward conversation to have. Yeah. By the way, so that, that guy we met a couple up. of times, right. is, he, uh, is he alive or not? I imagine Trump could, could do that. Trump I could, think Trump's that kind of guy. Yeah. That, you know, he, he, he doesn't like political correctness. He will yeah. ask that awkward question. Yeah, but it yeah. can't be a priority for Trump to bring up something like that. He's not bringing up anything like that with... He dodged the question on Khashoggi like a million times yeah. at the G20. So True. I don't yeah. think it's on his priority list. So who did we see there from the North Korean side yesterday? Who were the fam- some of the famous names? <clears throat> um, we saw Che Sun-hee, um, who's the v- first vice foreign minister. We saw Ri Yong-ho, who is the uh, foreign minister. Mm-hmm. Ri Yong-ho went into the meeting at some point with Kim Jong-un and Trump, mm. as well as Pompeo. We saw Hyun song well, right, well. the former leader of the Moranbong band and a close friend or aide to uh, Kim Jong Un, right. further showing her logistics planning role. Yeah, right. She walked into the South once again, and I think she actually went into the built into Freedom House. Yeah, she yeah, was. Yeah. Yeah. We think we- she seems to be doing the the job that um, Kim Yo Jong was doing in yeah. summits last year. So right. that either suggests Kim Yo Jong has been promoted and is now kind of above these types of things, um, or something else has happened to Kim Yo Jong. Well, but she we, was there. Though. We did see. Yeah, yeah, we saw someone with her hair cut and a handbag. So, we saw her face too in other pictures. Oh, yeah, correct. So South Korean media definitely, yeah, they pointed her out as, as sort of uh, hanging back, but coming a- across the southern side. And I think she also went into Freedom House. Did uh, Kim Jong-un bring his wife with him this time? No. Didn't see we saw him, no? No, okay. didn't see her. Um, what other aides did we see uh, on the, the northern side? There was Mr. Kim Chang-sun. Yeah, what's... Uh, he's got kind of a... Sometimes referred to as Kim Jong-un's butler, uh, which I think... <laughs> He probably doesn't appreciate very much. He's kind of like a, a chief private secretary. So in Britain, we have, um, you know, people we call PPS. So it's like a senior politician who's kind of the uh, prime minister's kind of bag person. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of his job. We see, we saw, say, ahead of the Vladivostok summit with Putin, um, Kim Chang Song was kind of there scoping out locations. I guess his job is kind of logistical, also advisory, you know, um, before the off, before the New Year speech by Kim Jong Un, he was there as well. Um, Saw so some other officials like Kim Song Nam mm. and uh, Jo Yong Wan. They're like with Kim Jong Un a lot during his inspections ah. domestically, and they also go on some of these summits with him, assiduously taking notes. What about on President Moon's side? Who did he have here with him? Do we know? We mean Trump's side. I don't. I didn't see any South South Korean officials in Freedom House. It was all there was a very wide range of U.S. officials there, Mm. Um, but just Moon, I think. I didn't see Foreign Minister Kang. No, just Blue House officials, really, like Blue House advisors and things like that. Right. All right, President Trump. Who did he bring with him? Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, Mm. uh, Special Advisor on North Korea issues, or Special Envoy uh, Stephen Began, uh, Ivanka Trump, her husband Jared Kushner. Uh, we saw Steve Mnuchin yeah. from Treasury. Right. Well, he was an odd choice to bring for this. Interesting meeting. choice. It made me think there could be, you know, talking about could be being discussed. Mm. So, um, uh, interestingly, Bolton was not 
allowed to come for some reason. Bolton yes. sends a Mongolia. But he was <laughs> there at Seoul. the Blue House earlier yep, for yeah. their talks between President uh, Moon and President Trump. What happened to Bolton? I think it's probably safe to say that Trump might have told him, look, North Koreans hate you. <laughs> um, you hate them. You hate them. Um, <laughs> some reports suggest, given the Iran debacle, um, where you know Trump pulled back from military action at the last minute and other... Um, kind of foreign policy issues in the White House at the moment that Bolton is kind of being sidelined a little bit by Trump, um, who is at his nate in at his core not really a hawk in the same way that Bolton is. Yeah. But then at the same time, you know, the North Koreans complain about Bolton a lot. They've also complained about Secretary of State Pompeo. Hmm. So to maybe read too much into it is Perhaps Folly. Bolton's a, an advisor role, and and Pompeo's ah. the foreign minister. You know, the Secretary of State foreign minister. Yep. So I think the North Koreans can complain about that if they want, and they did last week. And they got they they quoted Pompeo in an article dedicated to how they were complaining about Pompeo again right. when they called for his removal in April, and uh, now he's uh, he's there and. Bolton's what can they not. do about that? Yeah. Is this a sign that uh, Bolton could be being nudged closer to the exit door? I think his time is almost That's up. Too much to. Well, did, I, I saw Trump apparently called him Mick Bolton yesterday in a public remark. What? Yeah, he mis misremembered his name. What was he supposed to be doing in in uh, Ulaanbaatar? I think of some kind of security cooperation talks or something like that. Something very humiliating. Yeah, you could send a junior um, official for yeah. that one. I think. Yeah. Interesting. Not to not to undermine Mongolia's role in all of this because we did publish an article last week talking about Mongolia of course. as like a neutral intermediary, a um, space where both the North and South Koreans are happy to visit. Exactly, um, but I'm not sure that's what Bolton's there for. Well, I think the, the one interesting thing about all this stuff that we've seen in the last 18 months is it kind of, and I think this is why there's so much resentment on Twitter from longtime North Korea experts. Uh, Basically, this whole process has shown that you don't need these track 1.5, track 2 meetings mm. in bizarre European cities uh, or in Mongolia, so on and so on, because they, they've just shown that they can do this without any of that kind of learning about each other's position at very low levels and reiterating standard uh, talking points. And uh, yeah, I don't know, frankly, it's just a little um, uh, boring reading some of the responses on Twitter from predictable people well let's name some names who, who was angry <laughs> who was displeased by yesterday's meeting well just i i think any a lot of interesting a lot of democrats um who you know would traditionally be advocates of engagement hmm. uh were very prickly about it including uh elizabeth warren for example she oh. uh did a i mean she's not a, a north korea expert but i think what she said kind of crystallized a lot of the kind of remarks that I'm seeing, which is that, you know, this is endorsing a human rights abuser. It's uh, it's not a major step towards denuclearization. Um, it's just show business, blah, blah, blah. Ad infinitum. And um, those things are all true, of course. But um, if, let's be honest, if Obama was at the wheel with this, um, those people wouldn't be saying that, those things. No, but, you know, it also... I mean, we so we had uh, eight years of Obama during which he had a chance to uh, to make some progress with Kim Jong Un, and he did not. Um, There's one thing that Trump made a, a point to speak to that point. He did, didn't he? Yeah. Right after it, yeah. he said, "You know, Trump's or he said Obama was begging, begging, begging for a summit." That's not true. 
uh, right. that I read <laughs> from some aide from Obama said that that's not true. Um, but yeah, it seems to just be a knee-jerk reaction from the Democratic side, which is disappointing to see. You'd, you'd hope that there can be some nuance injected into their positions later when uh, the, 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 the field whittles down a bit. Um, can we compare this to that period of time almost 50 years ago when uh, President Richard Nixon visited uh, China to meet with the, uh, the Communist Party chiefs there? Uh, people say, in retrospect, only Nixon could go to Beijing. Uh, can we say that only Trump could go to uh, the northern side? People of are going to have to give him credit for where, you know, even though he's he might be playing this in his mind like uh, a win for himself. Uh, it might be out of uh, his knack for reality television uh, theatrics, but people are going to have to give him credit for where it's due. But also you're going to have to wonder if he doesn't get reelected. I mean, we can think about right. this later. How is the next how could a Democratic president continue this? deeply personal relationship that both Trump and Kim emphasize yeah. ad nauseum. Or even another Republican president. I mean, <laughs> once you take President Trump out of the picture, what happens to that personal top-level relationship? I think that's probably partially why uh, this meeting went ahead in the way it did at such short notice, yeah. because the North Koreans are increasingly cognizant of the fact that Trump's days might be numbered. Right. Um, there He's was, passed the halfway mark into his first term. Yeah. The, already the Democratic primaries have started... Um, I think the North Koreans are really aware that, okay, we it's now were, or never. It's now or never. We were able to have this impasse and this stalemate of nothing happening for months and months and months, but yep. now, you know. Yeah, I mean, this was the last best opportunity. I mean, it was probably the best opportunity in the last two years that you can envisage a meeting like this being engineered. Uh, like, there, it was a great face saving mm. way to do it for both sides because the G20 was taking place in Osaka, nice. there was a summit taking place in Seoul. Um, and so I think it, you know, this opportunity wouldn't come around again, probably for the rest of Trump's presidency. Yeah. So. And I was thinking this morning about how just embarrassingly Hanoi ended for the North Koreans and Kim Jong-un making this huge journey all the way to Vietnam by train, only to return with nothing. It's deeply embarrassing for him to go back home. Mm -hmm. You know, we've seen reports about this kind of internal debate in North Korea. I'm not sure how true those are, but I think there's an element of, Kim Jong-un really put his neck on the line there and he didn't get anything in response. And the North Koreans must have felt extremely um, kind of jaded and disenchanted with the U.S. position, especially as the U.S. position seemed to kind of shift. Um, and and this, this, is, this is critical because uh, like the critics of this, I think they failed to re realize that only given the, the top down style of North Korea, I think only this interjection by Trump could have realistically turned this around. The idea of working level talks in, in some far-flung European capital, rekindling it, given all the face that's been lost, is just absurd. I think it had to, it had to be this way. Yeah, and, and on the domestic side for Kim Jong-un, um, it helps him restore some of that credibility as well, right? If you can say, well, Trump invited me and I came and you know, he crossed into our territory... Um, you know, it shows that he still respects me and he shows that we still have a good relationship and uh, the process is moving forward. Look, uh, I want to interject here with a remark or a question about Hanoi, uh, which I think, Oliver, you mentioned. Um, Trump said yesterday in the, uh, the, you know, the press scrum out in Conference Row, uh, he reframed Hanoi as being a success, a great success. Um, now, what are we to make of that and, and how... Do you think that Kim Jong-un would have taken that uh, when it was interpreted to him in Korea, into Korean? 
to me that that sounds like Trump interpreting it through his emphasis on the personal relationship. He thinks right. that him and Kim, uh, it was a, it was their second conversation, and it to him built up this ability to even have this third summit huh. in Palmjam yesterday. That's that's how I interpret Trump saying that, and he'll say that no matter what. He'll he'll play it up. So I don't think you can take it as too much uh, of whether it is a success or not. Is there something to it? I think then? that was I mean that was always the spin from the American sides, even after the Hanoi summit. Ah. Trump said it was great. We we, our relationship was closer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Kim Jong-un probably saw that as well, that, that him and um, Trump do have a good relationship. It's just that's not going to um, get Kim Jong-un what he wants, which is... But if there can be joke, you know, all the pictures today in North Korean State Media, uh, Kim Jong-un and Trump, they're laughing, they're having fun in this yeah. little meeting. If they can speak to their true, their true feelings, what if Trump said something like, you know, we really don't want to go to war. We really don't want to attack you. We just want to make sure that, you know, and then Kim's like, oh, whoa, we, we really don't want to attack you. We just want to make sure that you guys don't attack us. And if they get down to this level, maybe they'd be more willing to uh, make some sort of concession. Yeah. If, they, mm. if they can feel like they can actually trust each other. But it's kind of like dating, you know. Right. They're, they're trying to feel each other out. They're trying to see if they can really trust each other. But I think they actually do put off that genuine vibe when they're with each other. Yeah. So I think that helps. So maybe we need a couple more of these apparently substanceless, at least in terms of orthodox uh, diplomacy, uh, substance-free just you know meetings where they get to, to, to hang out with each other and maybe have a, a burger. Um, would you say that yesterday's meeting was a, uh, a win-win-win for all three leaders? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, um, you know, we were talking about Moon Jae-in. Yeah. Um, you know, just in April, the North Korean leader... Um, not even North Korean media, Kim Jong-un himself dismissed Moon Jae-in as a fish's mediator, said you yes. need to stop meddling. Last week, the North Korean foreign ministry kind of said Seoul needs to stay out of this. It's got nothing to do with them. Right. And then clearly none of this would have been able to happen without Moon. Um, so he was the mediator. He was the mediator. And you could see during the whole meeting, Moon's mind was just blown to smithereens by I think how quickly this all happened mm-hmm. and how great it was for him to be the guy in the middle, you know, talking to Kim Jong-un in Korean and then talking to Trump and, um, yeah. And then for Trump, I think it it kind of looks good. I mean, you know, there's a lot of criticism of it in the US, but I think um, his supporters obviously love it. I tweeted something about Kim Jong-un saying uh, Trump had visited uh, the North for the first time and, uh, you know, I just got thousands and thousands of MAGA people just liking it and saying our president is so great so yeah i think it uh i think it plays well and then for kim jong-un of course as uh our star analyst min young lee will explain <laughs> you may have heard some uh, some movements there we say goodbye to chad Bye. as uh, as min young rachel comes in with some hot takes of the north korean state media this morning you have uh, welcome by the way thank you i hate to let you guys down but um KCTV didn't carry any photos. Oh. So it carried okay. the news, um, but it was just a talking head. But they'll Without do the photos, photos later, right? But they can do the photos later. It'll okay. be carried at least four times. Throughout but the what day. did North Korean State Television say about yesterday's meeting? Okay, so it was basically the same as the Party Daily readout. And my five main takeaways uh, from the state media. Uh, coverage Get out your pens the... and papers, ladies and gentlemen. Five, top, five <laughs> points. This is good. She, she's um, much more organized than three. we are. <laughs> uh, first, it was the prominent coverage um, for a for such a short meeting mm. of only fifty three minutes. Uh, the Party Daily dedicated three full pages. That's the Rodong Shinmun. Yes, of the Rodong Shinmun, the first three pages with many many pictures. I thought it was very many pictures for mm. for 
a, a very short meeting. Of those three pages, how much would you say is text? Half a page? I think it was about five minutes on TV. So that would be about 750 words mm. in text, approximately. Okay. Uh, so not very long. But I think, um, yeah, so relative to the text, um, very many photos. Um, so the prominent coverage, that's my first take. Um, and the second take uh, for me is the very positive language. Uh, the state media uh, readout said the two leaders reached complete understanding and consensus on the issues they discussed. Huh. So that's very strong and positive language. Very. Um, and also adding that the two leaders expressed great satisfaction. That also is another indicator that the meeting went uh, well. Does uh, it say know. which issues were discussed? Uh, no, but they did talk about, uh, the state media did talk about um, resuming um, how the two leaders discussed um, issues that were in the way of resuming dialogue mm. and how they um, decided to or agreed to uh, resume productive dialogues. Uh, resume and pursue productive dialogues. On the new coalition, uh, right? Yes, and uh, they, uh, and that was going to be my third, um, actually, uh, take, is that uh, for the, I think, so they um, explicitly mentioned the denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula, which mm. I thought was very significant, and that uh, state media largely refrained from using the word denuclearization after the failed Hanoi summit. Mm, okay, but now uh, it's back in. It's, it's back in. Ah. It's back in. So if you look at uh, state media coverage of uh, Kim's summits with Putin, and even uh, Xi's, um, with, um, the summit with Xi, uh, state media skirted around denuclearization, simply uh, referring um, to the situation in the Korean Peninsula. So we would say, I, I would say that this is a huge contrast mm. um, from the behavior that we've seen after the Hanoi summit. Uh, and um, my fourth uh, takeaway is state media's um, handling of South Korea. So I was anxious to see how they would um, um, handle President Moon's yes. uh, presence. In we the were just talking just before it came in. Uh, <laughs> we were talking about uh, mm -hmm. Moon's role as mediator uh, mm -hmm. and how uh, that has. Uh, uh, brought him some criticism from both the North Korean state media and Kim Jong-il directly. So we were interested to hear what was the take on uh, on Moon in, in, uh, in state media. So this is interesting because I view this as North Korea's um, clever sort of two-pronged approach. Mm. So the text um, is very brief. It briefly mentions uh, Kim meeting, um, exchanging, gladly exchanging greetings with Moon. Um, and um, it mentions uh, President Moon very briefly in two other places where Moon was uh, waiting for Kim in front of the Freedom House and how um, Moon and Trump um, saw him off. Does um, it give his title? Uh, yes, president. Okay. Mm, president, right. Um, and um, if you look at the photos, however, mm -hmm. uh, the treatment was nicer. It was more kind. Mm. So um, in contrast to the brief text, uh, we saw multiple photos with President Moon. My um, favorite was uh, Moon, Moon's face in between. Trump's and Kim's face. Right. Yeah. Sure, surely, if, if re-election were possible in South Korea, that would be the photo you'd want on your banners, yeah. right? In the middle. Yeah. It um, even included one, that, and I'm talking about the Party Daily, because obviously the, the Pyongyang television has not um, carried any photos yet, as I'd mentioned earlier. But mm. um, in, one of the photos that they published was um, Kim laughing with Moon. So I thought that was a nice one. Yeah. Um, obviously, it wasn't featured prominently on page one. Um, all the prominently featured photos obviously are of Trump and Kim. Right. Um, but I thought that was a nice touch. And so my sort of reading of this is that North Korea effectively sidelined South Korea. 
um, by okay. only briefly mentioning mm. um, President Moon um, in Panmunjom. But um, I think through the photos, um, North Korea didn't totally bash um, Moon, so that they paid a little more tribute to Moon. Right. Um, Which is odd coming right after, a week, what was it, a week ago, or there was a very explicit statement out from, I forgot what the, what the source so was. So the director of the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, uh, North American Department, Hwang uh-huh. Jung-gun, um, who officially rejected uh, South Korea's media role. Mm. Right. Mm. So I would say that this handling tracks, tracks with that. Meanwhile, South Korean media, uh, at least on television last night and this morning, have been doing nothing but play up uh, Moon's role as mediator, right? (laughs) Moon continuing his role as mediator. I see it along the bottom of the screen, a lot of talk about that. Mm. So is that a fundamental misreading of the way that North Korea perceives President Moon? No, I think each side just sees what it wants to see <laughs> and plays up what it wants to play up. No. And, and disregards the rest. There you go. Uh, Pache to uh, Simon and Garfunkel. Um, so my last um, takeaway is um, the fact that state media very much played up um, the fact that this meeting took place at Trump's request. Mm. Uh, they, I think they used the word request um, at least two or three times. <laughs> and I think this fits very well with um, state media narrative um, in recent months, uh, promoting Kim Jong-un as being on the same level as the great powers of the world, rubbing right. shoulders with uh, the great powers. Right. Um, and I think this also had the effect of maybe giving more legitimacy to Kim Jong-un for yeah. accepting this you know, last-minute call from Trump uh, to meet. Can we compare this to um, back in 2000 when Kim Jong-il used the same wording uh, when talking about the meeting with Kim Dae-jung? He said, I, you know, you proposed a meeting and I accepted your request. Well, I don't remember what that media coverage was like, but um, I don't remember the last time North Korean media played up you know, like who requested the meeting first. Mm. You know, even even when you look back on the Panmunjom, the Inter-Korean Summit in Panmunjom in yep. May 2018, um, I don't think that it ever mentioned who requested the meeting mm. first. Okay, mm. yeah. Now, in 2000, definitely that was the case because mm. I remember the South Korean media were all like, wait, why is he, why is he bringing this out? Why is it important mm. that uh, he's mentioning that it was Kim Dae-jung who requested the meeting? Mm. Uh, and I think the same argument was made then that this legitimized... Kim Jong-il, that it, it showed him as being on the same level as Kim Dae-jung. It makes him look sort of like a sought-after VIP. Exactly. Right. right. Like, I, I've got a busy schedule, yeah. lots of appointments, but you've requested this, so I've deigned to say, okay. I was half hoping that Kim Jong-un would um, turn down the invitation because he had important on-the-spot guidance to, <laughs> to give in a, at a you know canned fish factory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But it's almost like once he once Trump put out the invitation, it was almost how could he turn that down? That would have been bad for himself. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, so they did ask for a formal invitation, right? They did, so didn't they? Through Chess on He on uh, on Saturday, they said, mm-hmm. "Look, basically, look, this is interesting, but we haven't had an official proposal yet." So mm-hmm. basically, saying we'd like to have something that we can print out and frame. So here's a question: mm. Chess on He um, kind of leading that and being the one that responds, would that be then safe to say that she is now the top negotiator with the Has US? she resumed her current position then? Is that... Yeah. If you look at the media readout, it was Ryongo and Pompeo, right? Yeah, but it's Pompeo and Rhee and then Began and Chesan He, it seems, at this point. Right, right. So I'm thinking that it's going to be... So Pompeo's counterpart, I think, would be Ryongo. Ah. And Began's counterpart would be Chesan He. Mm. That would be my guess. Okay. 
But uh, but uh, at the end of the uh, the meeting yesterday in Panmunjom, or in the Joint Security Area near Panmunjom, uh, President Trump specifically said, uh, "I'm empowering Steve Began to lead the charge on this, right?" Which means that basically he'll be uh, negotiating with the chess on he most of the time. Yeah, which is pretty much what was happening before. Right. Mm. Mm. But they, they might put a new, they might put someone new in uh, facing Began. I think that's kind of what. Trump implied with the whole we're going to put some teams together although Trump maybe just didn't hear it correctly but yeah. you don't know we don't know it was it was Chase on he on Saturday night but we don't know yet for a fact who will be vegan's mm-hmm. counterpart can I say one more thing since Please. we're on this topic of foreign ministry officials? I thought it very interesting that uh, Ri Su-yong who is the head of the international department of the right. party was missing um, Would he normally have been expected to be there? So I think this is the first time that Ri Su-yong did not appear for a U.S. Uh, DPRK summit, although this was technically not a summit. Mm. But if you look at everybody else who was there, you know, they're the people that you would have expected yeah. um, to be around. So it was a surprise to me that Ri Su-yong um, was not there, whereas uh, Kim Sung-nam, the first vice department director of uh, the, the first Vice Director of the International Department, mm. so Ri Su-yong's um, immediate subordinate, right, subordinate um, uh, was there. So the International Department seems involved, but then the question is why was Ri Su-yong not there? Mm. So that, I think, um, signals um, a further bolstering of the foreign ministry in the whole USDPRK um. nuclear negotiations. And then it brings the it raises the question of, well, what is the International Party's role in, in, in North Korea's um, foreign policy making is is the right. portfolio of the international department just focused on um, all other foreign policy issues except for DPRK U.S. relations, uh, which the foreign ministry seems to be leading, or you know the dynamic between the international department and foreign ministry I think would be interesting um, to to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. That's a, yeah, an interesting point there. Um, what can we? What do we imagine that uh, Xi Jinping's response to all this will be? Would he be pleased, displeased, bit of bit of both, neutral? Well, I was surprised to not see much coming out from Trump. Uh, he spoke about the trade, the, the trade issues with China a lot, but right, he, he, he said he had say, a good meeting. Specifically. He didn't say anything about what he heard from Xi Jinping, what he learned from Xi mm. about Xi's recent trip to Pyongyang, which was only like a week and a half ago. Right. So I was a little bit surprised about that, and also the Chinese statement on the Trump meeting also didn't really say what they talked about in regards to North Korea. I think that meeting was always going to be about the trade war, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, I mean, you, you have to wonder if anything was exchanged about that. Well, you'd hope Trump would have asked about it, but maybe... I think, you know, she uh, can be, I guess, pleased with himself. The timing makes him look very uh, very good. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he was in Pyongyang last week, and then all of a sudden, all this sort of uh, starts going well. I'm not sure how much of a role he played, but um, it certainly makes him look as I think both North Korea and China wanted, like mm-hmm. it's a close relationship and it's closely linked to other things that are going on, right? Mm-hmm. I guess uh, Prime Minister Abe, on the other hand, uh, might be feeling a bit on the outs right now. Sad face. Yes. Sad f- right, I mean, he he, uh, he hosted a G20, which is the biggest annual meeting of leaders in the world, um, I think, uh, and then he gets completely overshadowed by his uh, pesky little peninsula neighbor of, uh, of Korea once again. Sure, for the time being, but you know, let's remember in the, in the in the coming weeks, plenty of countries will be speaking about their G twenty right. uh, results in their own media, and I think it's I don't think Abe is going to be too worried about it. Now, uh, speaking of the G twenty, um, Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison was there, and he was asked by journalists about the fate of the uh, 
Australian man and a friend of ours, uh, Alex Sigley, um, who no one's heard about since last Tuesday. It's, uh, is it unusual for North Korea, well, for someone to disappear in North Korea and the North Korean government not to say what's happened to them? Well, um, with Alec, um, who full disclosure has written for NK News and is, uh, I think, a close friend of a lot of us, um, he, you know, you're, normally there's a um, gap in time. So um, with Otto Warmbier, for example, I think it was a couple of weeks. And then with the most recent foreigner to be detained in North Korea, who was a Japanese uh, tourist last year, they said nothing until the guy was released, right? And how long um, was that? That was about two weeks, as huh. far as I know. Um, this was a, a Japanese tourist who was supposedly taking some footage of military installations in Rasong, mm. was? Nampo. Nampo. Um, and uh, he, was, he was detained and then released on humanitarian grounds. Um, hopefully, Alec will... Uh, have uh, have that same experience. Yeah, I'm. I'm also reminded of the uh, 2011 case of the Dutch uh, stamp dealer Willem van der Bale, who was interviewed uh, by NK News in 2013. He was held for two weeks uh, before he was ultimately released after he signed a confession. So he was held for two weeks. He was interrogated. He signed a confession, and then he was sent back uh, to Beijing. Mm. But the interesting thing is, during the period that he was in North Korea. Uh, a, a, an article came out in the Pyongyang Times in which he was quoted as praising the North Korean electoral uh, system. Uh, and I thought it was interesting that last week, after Alec uh, sort of went silent, that he was quoted in North Korean media as saying something, uh, what, what, I can't remember what it was, but he said something good in North Korean media, didn't he? Yeah, he said something along the lines of, this is a, this is a unique country and people should come and visit. He wasn't named, right? It was an Australian oh. student, was that what it was? It was the Australian president of Tongil Tours. Yeah. Ah, okay. Well, we certainly hope that uh, that, that matter gets resolved and that he's um, you know, released uh, very quickly. Or that he's just got a cold and is uh, in a Pyongyang hospital. Right, and he wasn't using Twitter for a while. Also possible, perhaps. Mm. All right, uh, final thoughts uh, for our, uh, our roundtable wrap-up well, we of the something. You say, uh, Minyong, you said technically it's not a summit. Well, we, before you came in, we had Chad look up the word summit in the dictionary. Oh, what was uh, the word used in the... Uh... Uh, the, oh, uh, yes. the title um, called it a historic um, meeting. Did they use that, the, the term for uh, sudden... Uh, unaf- um, the, the other words they used in the report are pleasant uh, one-on-one talks. Mm. Uh, what was the, the Korean word for meeting, meeting that was used? Hedam. Uh, Hedam. And Hwandam. Okay. Hwandam is pleasant talks, okay. pleasant meeting. And what did they call mm-hmm. the, uh, the sudden summit between Moon and, and Kim last year? Is no, I think that was a summit. I think okay. that, I think, yeah, I'll have to double well, check. We think though. it's a summit because it was a 50 minute talk. Yeah, but, I mean, 50 minutes is pretty. Yeah. So I, I think the things to look for next is obviously the working level talks. Right. Pompeo said we should expect that in the next couple of weeks. And that's really where we're going to see, that's where they're going to reveal exactly where we are in these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if they're able to do anything in the first couple of meetings or not, that's going to tell us everything. Yeah. If we're back at square one or not. Well, I mean, if we have, if say, Beacon flies to Pyongyang and we don't see any meetings for three months, I think we know that. Well, I guess, is, <laughs> I guess that's obvious. Yeah. Is, you know, um, but then if we see like a quick back and forth, um, maybe we'll get another summit by the end of the year. Another thing to look out for, I would say, on the domestic front is um, North Korean uh, media has been slipping in the, the, term, the, the term war deterrent mm-hmm. um, here and there at very authoritative levels. For example, in Chidong's uh, speech 
on the 28th, where they were celebrating the third anniversary of Kim Jong-un's um, State Affairs Commission title. Uh, he, he's, he praised Kim Jong-un for providing a war deterrent uh, for North Korea, and we saw that uh, word popping up in other um, authoritative um, vehicles. So uh, war deterrent um, is like a euphemism, as we all know, right? right. For nuclear weapons, um, missiles. So I think that's maybe something to look out for, mm. um, you know, to see if it sort of suddenly disappears again um, now that um, Trump and Kim had a meeting again. Uh, can we also look forward to, uh, on state television, Minyoung, a 45-minute uh, heavily edited North Korean documentary about yesterday's meeting in which we don't hear any voices, we just hear music and a voiceover? I think a documentary is possible. I don't know that it's going to be very long. Um, it's also possible that um, TV might carry... Um, a documentary type program so mm. not a formal documentary but like a you know um, collage of um, videos but it's interesting that I think uh, from memory generally we don't hear the actual voices of, uh, of Kim or Moon or Trump in these videos right we tend to hear yeah. no, uh, a, a narrator uh, and that might be um, I have a feeling that that might be to uh, to mask the fact that Kim Jong-un when he speaks to or about President Moon and President Trump uses very uh, honorific language in Korean, right? Like he'll use a detonyong kesol and uh, he'll use hashida, uh, you know. Um, do you think that has anything to do with it? Well, traditionally, North Korean uh, TV documentaries all have always uh, adopted that, adopted that um, sort of method of you know, showing footage and then like an announcer read narration. Mm. It's kind um, of similar. I mean, we saw with the with the Xi Kim summit, Chinese state media kind of did the same thing, right? You'd have long footage of just the two leaders talking and then a voiceover. Right. Um, well, as according to Trump, uh, the people have never heard Kim Jong Un's voice. That's not true, but it was really funny how he said that he right next that. to Kim Jong Un. Trump was right. like, "Hey, uh, did you know that nobody's ever heard his voice?" Because I don't know if you know this, he doesn't do press conferences. It was a very odd thing to say. That was an odd thing to say, especially after he gave a press conference in uh, in Singapore. Yeah, I think he's just sniping at the press. Um, yeah, but uh, they're the enemy of the people. Aren't yeah, they? they are um, very much so. Um, I think another thing to look out for would be uh, what happens on the inter-Korean front. You know, we've just had months and months and months of nothing happening. Right. This liaison office at Kaesong um, uh. is sort of stalled. South Koreans are, you know, miserable about it. Um, we've had lots of talking about reopening the Kaesong industrial complex. It'll be interesting to see the North Koreans aren't great at multitasking. So if their priority is going to be talks with the U.S. over the next couple of weeks, mm. then they'll be focused on that. Well, maybe Moon will try to get his his piece in to try to get Kaesong yeah. back on um, uh, the U.S.'s, uh, you know. Yeah, that's definitely possible. Um, you know, maybe we'll see some more working level talks between the two Koreas maybe next month um, when the North Koreans get the time. And then maybe we'll have Kim Jong-un coming to Seoul this year. Really? What's well, who knows? Hmm. We're long overdue for an we'll inter-Korean summit. Are you prepared to uh, to bet a bottle of whiskey on that on, uh, this at this stage, Oliver? Uh, no, not no. yet. No. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think so. I wouldn't. All right, well, that's where we will leave our uh, roundtable wrap-up today. Thank you very much for participating, Oliver, Colin, and Minyoung. And Chad. And Chad, and Chad. Who's, who's left the room already. Yes, that's right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please uh, don't forget to uh, share this podcast with your friends and uh, colleagues and neighbors and people across the road. And also consider buying a subscription to nknews.org. You can get a $50 discount off your subscription by using the word podcast at the checkout. Thanks and listen again next time. <laughs>